Matt Mosley Show, presenting sponsors Central National Bank, the Nesbitts, Brian Fonville, incredible job over there. A couple of locations in Waco, Temple, Austin, Texas as well. They're on 6th Street. Joined now by a guy who was good running into after this last game, Sam Kahn Jr. from The Athletic is uh, joining us. Sam's been very busy. Uh, Sam, it's not enough. Just and I, th- I felt like just the other day we were talking about TCU, and, and then I was listening to that game, and it was like 31-5 to 5 or whatever it was, and you started to kind of wonder, uh-oh, uh-oh, this thing could go sideways. But still, Sam, I mean, it was uh, it's pretty crazy to have watched this man's career and, and everything he's built at TCU. And to see it in like this, I, I think time will heal some of these wounds. But uh, it, it, I think Saturday's going to be pretty awkward on the TCU campus when the Bears roll in there. You got me, Sam. All right, it's Matt Mosley show, ESPN Central Texas. We may have dropped Sam there briefly. Okay, we'll check. Gave him a, gave him that uh, beautiful setup, and then all of a sudden, Sam Khan Jr. was not there. I heard him. I felt like in his car, just moving around the state as he does, going from one press conference to another. We will try to, uh, we will try to get back in touch with, with Sam Khan. Um, Oh, good, Sam. Okay. Well, I went through this whole thing, but I'll be I'll be very quick with you on this. Uh, hey, good to have you, by the way, and, and great to see you after the Texas game the other day. The uh, the situation with TCU, I, I just for me and and knowing Gary like we do, uh, I just hated to see it end like this. Maybe with Gary, it wasn't going to end any other way. Um, this this whole thing about like. Oh, they, you know, they, they, if they had to see how he was going to go do against Kansas State and all that kind of stuff. It, to me, it's a, a guy who's had that great of a career. It shouldn't come down to something like that. Did you sense that this thing had been unraveling for for weeks now? Yeah, I think there's no question that uh, there's been some concern about the direction of the program this season because. Look, there's no secret the last three years have not been up to the Gary Patterson standard or the, the TCU standard under, under Gary Patterson. And this team, with as much talent as it returns, should have been a dark horse Big 12 championship game contender. I argued after Oklahoma and Iowa State, when I looked at the talent on that roster, that that team should be in the mix, at least in the mix for it going to the last couple of weeks of November. I think this all started when you go back to the iron skillet against SMU. When they lost the way they lost to SMU, giving up 595 yards, 350 rushing, I was there that day. They did not have the edge that a, a Gary Patterson team is used to having, that I used to seeing that chip on their shoulder, that intensity. I didn't see it. And I saw a lot more of that from SMU. Then they lost to Texas. And, and as I've talked to people over the last few weeks, the more South that went on the field in terms of results, the more concern there was growing in the building about whether or not Gary Patterson still had it and whether or not he was still the right man to lead this program long-term. So no, this was not a, you beat Kansas state and you save your job. No, this was just more of an accumulation of a season that's gone terribly wrong. 
Talking to Sam Kahn uh, on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. I thought that was interesting that Donati, Jeremiah Donati, the AD, uh, said, uh, you know, ask about, you know, which way would you lean? I think that just to be fair to the coach, it's going to be very difficult for that person to fill, talking about Gary's shoes. I'm not saying we're not looking at defensive candidates, but it probably feels a little more natural to go the other way. Now, what an interesting tell, um, and, and who knows where he'll end up in this process, but to basically just say, listen, we've been a defensive-dominated, oriented team for all these years, but now that this is ending, it's probably time for us to go find an offensive mind, uh, offensive-minded head coach. So I think, uh, Sam, we all kind of sensed that that was what was going to happen. It was interesting to see, to hear the AD just come right out and say it. Yeah, I was surprised that he was that candid. Normally in these situations at these press conferences, you, you don't have the AD give any information away as to what type of candidate they're looking for, with the exception of if you're in Texas, hey, we want a guy with Texas ties, so to speak, uh, which Donati didn't necessarily nail down either and, and said that that wasn't necessarily a prerequisite for uh, his head coach. I did find that interesting because I, I actually thought that if you are a defensive coach that it might make sense because this is a program that isn't going to necessarily its fan base and alumni are not trained to think, well, they're not like Texas tech where they've done the air raid and, and we throw for four or 5,000 yards uh, like they used to back in the heyday of Mike Leach. That's not the way this fan base is conditioned. So I would have thought if you were at Ely defensive coordinator, this might be a good job for you. But in the way Jeremiah put it, I certainly understand that. Yes, it's going to be hard to live up to the standard and the benchmark that Gary Patterson established. And for that reason, it may be easier to go the other direction. So that makes it very interesting. And he also said, obviously, a current head coach, so that's their preference. So I guess you take out first-time coordinators. One guy that I had thought of was Mike Delco at Texas A&M, the defensive coordinator there for the last three, four years with A&M, who's done a great job. I thought he would make sense for this. But if you're looking for a current head coach who's on the offensive side of the ball, guess what? That knocks a guy like Mike Elko off the list. So mm-hmm. uh, one of them, obviously, that certainly fits that description is 40 miles down the road in SMU and Mr. Sonny Dykes. Yeah, and, and we're going to find out, <clears throat> can SMU pay him enough or offer him enough uh, in terms of what, what SMU – SMU missed the bus to the Big 12, and so that obviously being a Power 5 is probably going to be more money, more prestige, although I'm not sure the divide is always as much as we like to make it. Now let me ask you this, Sam. I, I, I've, been one, I've been thinking this. Is is the TCU now? We I think we think because it's in the Metroplex and a little closer to all that recruiting that, that maybe TCU is a better job than Texas Tech. But Texas Tech, they have their own boosters. They'll put up money. It's just you know it's not always been the easiest place to recruit people to. Would you say that TCU is definitely a better college football job than Texas Tech, or is it close? Uh, in my opinion, TCU is clearly better than Texas Tech in terms of if I was a head coaching candidate and I was evaluating those two jobs, you'd give me the pick, I would take TCU. I think when Texas and Oklahoma leave the conference, I think TCU could be the best job in the Big 12. because of, and, and a lot of it goes to that footprint, like you talked about, Metroplex. And not just that, you're not far from East Texas, uh, and you're not far from northern Louisiana, which is a place that Gary Patterson – certainly went to mine and find recruits. Uh, so you're a lot close. And that's the thing is, is in order to win, you've got to get players. And 
being closer to players is helpful. And then I look at the resources that they have now, what they've done in terms of spending. Yeah, Tech, tech has a ton of boosters, and I think Tech is a good job. But I think TCU is better positioned because of the recruiting footprint. And then I, I see what you know they were paying Gary Patterson $6 million a year. I, I walked through Amon Carter Stadium, and wow, it, it looks beautiful what they've done to it, especially that east side renovation. And the suites in there are incredible. Their, their football facility is good. Uh, they've got everything they need, and they've got deep-pocketed donors that are, you know, ready to to do anything that they need them to do to compete. And it's clear in my mind, and hearing Donati talk today, that this program is going to be aggressive about positioning itself, either in the new Big 12 or if there's any other further shakeups, that they're going to be ready for that. And and whatever that means, whatever they need to spend to do to support athletics and support football, they're going to do it. Sam Kahn joining the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas, alongside Aaron Sexton. I will uh, – this Jerry Kill is an interesting guy. He's very, very loyal to Gary. They're they're extremely close. And, and that's why – that's going to be a really weird atmosphere. I, I, I would say most TCU fans would want maybe to show up to kind of honor Gary, although Gary's not going to be anywhere close to that stadium. Won't that be weird, by the way? I would think he would get out of town. But how strange would that be for Gary to be at his house, which is like two blocks away, and and uh, and TCU playing there without him? Um, I I don't know what to think about this game. I think Baylor either runs away with it, or they may they may show up and play kind of almost to honor Gary. Uh, although that would be kind of weird, wouldn't it, Sam? It's like, well, why didn't you honor him? When he was still the coach, <laughs> what do you what do you kind of sense or anticipate from this TCU effort? Yeah, I, I think they will. I think they'll play hard, and I think they'll play with some some fire and some edge because I think when you have something like this happen, it takes a little bit of the pressure off because look, they're three and five; they're not in the Big Twelve race. There's really nothing to lose at this point, so you don't have to play scared or hesitant or tense you can just kind of go out there and just play ball and have fun and sometimes when you play loose like that you can play a lot better and and I think I think that that potential is there I mean I think I would look for them early on to have a lot of energy and, and, and play with the spark that said I still think Baylor is the better team by far and I think Baylor's consistency over the course of this season the way they played the, the maturity they've showed particularly last week down double digits against Texas, uh, that to me tells me that this team is ready to go into Fort Worth and take care of business. But TCU does have enough talent to make this interesting without question. Like I said, I talked back to the roster at the start. The roster talent is there. When when I went and saw them play, they have a good-looking football team. It's just a matter of whether or not they'll make the plays and and play consistently. And, And obviously health matters too. That's one thing that's hurt. This Gary Patterson team this year, they've been banged up, especially on defense. Zach Evans, the running back, has missed a couple of games. They've had defenders had to play out of position. That's been tough, too. So that factors all into that, too. But but Baylor, obviously, I think, is the better team going into this one. All right, Sam, and most importantly, I have not. You've been writing this, this uh, news story and covering this whole TCU thing. Um, have you gotten involved? I mean, what the University of Texas needed – was a good diversion like this. And this uh, <laughs> this story that started floating around about the special teams coach, a, a, a pet monkey and a stripper that he apparently lives with, and, and the pet monkey attacking a trick-or-treater. I mean, 
You know what I love, Sam, though? I mean, think about it. Think about the way we learn journalism, and we both came up as sports writers and all this. But it's like, have you noticed when there's a story this good, everybody just sort of, and I'm not saying the athletic does this, but it's like everybody just kind of waves the rules. It's like this story's too good not to believe. <laughs> I, I know that that was the one thing that I found interesting about the whole thing. I hadn't heard anybody say, "Well, I've had a phone call with the parents," or uh, you know, or or you know, I, Jeff Banks said this, or you know, his girlfriend or wife, uh, whatever it may be, said that. Although she was very active on social media last night so certainly i think yeah. she got a little bit of her side out before she deleted her account on twitter but yeah it's it's one of those things that's all i didn't really participate in it very much but i certainly was enthralled by it on my social media feed and it certainly seems to be a very fascinating story and I, it was one of the reasons uh, things like this are one of the reasons that make i think college football so unique is because uh you never know where college football is going to take you on your social media feed yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's what Sark is thinking about uh, how unique <laughs> college football is today. And uh, hey, he Polo- says all the time he's a college football fan, so this is part of college football, you know. <laughs> Hashtag poll assassin. All right, Sam, uh, I appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you soon. Like, likewise, thanks so much.